0: Uh, I'm honored to be here today. I am. Uh, I'm a little shocked at the image that Pastor George put up. Um, yeah, it was a different time in my life. <laughs> it was a different season, pre-marriage and <laughs> pre, uh, you know, before becoming an adjunct professor at the seminary and a pastor, uh, associate pastor down in Lower Manhattan. It was an interesting time where God was forming us, where God was forming us, and I'm honored today. I, I come. Um, Bringing greetings from Abounding Grace Ministries, your brothers and sisters down in the lower east side of Manhattan. uh, Alphabet City, Loisaida, however you are familiar with it. God is doing a great work there, and I come as a representative of, of the Lord, but of that house as well. Our senior pastor is Pastor Rick Del Rio, and for 30 years plus, he and his family and the church have been ministering down in that community. And it's a similar heart to what you guys are doing here. You love each other, and you love the community you serve, so I bring you greetings from that part of New York. But I just want to say thank you so much for the invitation. I want to say thank you so much to Pastor George and, and Michelle and the other pastoral staff, Mark, and, and Pastor Gary. And I'm going to miss names, so please forgive me, Lewis and, and others, and just friends that I've gotten to know over the years. I uh, thank you for sharing, uh, for inviting me here and letting me share with you today. I count it a great privilege to be here um, and, 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 and speak what God has put on my heart. It's amazing, and I want to highlight today that the worship was so in tune with what God has placed on my heart. You guys sang the word. You ministered and invited people to participate in what I believe God has given us today to reflect on. So thank you for your sensitivity to the Spirit. And above all, all else, let's thank God that He's speaking to us. That He's speaking to us through worship and hopefully now through this word. Amen? Is there anyone here that is a follower of Jesus? someone who's a disciple of the Most High God. Are you walking in relationship with Jesus? Someone here that, a part of that, can you be that person? Stand up to your feet then, and let's give Him praise, because you know that He is deserving of the honor and the glory and the praise. I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. Come on. I'm, what's your testimony? Worship God from that place. We bless you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We acknowledge you today. Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Amen? So if you're a disciple of Jesus, I'm going to ask you to repeat after me this morning. I have been crucified with Christ, I have been crucified with Christ. And, no I and no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. Lives in me. The, life live in the, the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, Son of God. who loved me God. and gave himself for me. Jesus. Let that be what guides our life every day. I am dead, but Christ is alive in me. Lord, we give you this time today. We ask that our hearts would be receptive, our spirits, our minds, our souls. Every part of us, Lord God, would be open to what you want to say and do today, Lord God. Not me, Lord God, and not the preparation I put in, but your word and your spirit moving and touching lives, building your church in this part of the Bronx, O oh God, in, in New York, in this region, Lord God. We say have your way because we know a lot is at stake, O oh God. Many, Lord God, are still lost. Many have yet to receive you. And we want to be, Lord God, those disciples that lead them to the cross. And we could tell our story and invite them to have their own story with you, Lord Jesus. So we say, speak. We'll listen. And not only will we listen, but we will obey. That makes all the difference. In Jesus' name we pray and we say, you may be seated. Really quickly, I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge that I don't come here alone. My wife, who's not here, and my son, who's not here, uh, in these seats. Oh, there goes Lorena. This is my beautiful wife, Lorena. Barresueta Carlo, this May, we'd be ma- we're going to be married four years and um, I am blessed with this gift that God has given me. I'm a better man. <laughs> she is the truth. She is a, a wonderful, wonderful woman uh, who loves God, who loves people, who's who just enriched my life so much. And she's pouring that into our son. She, When, when Joaquin, our little boy, was born, you might have seen him here worshiping when he was born, She laid down a a career that she built, a business that she built. A designer, graduated from the uh, Parsons School of Design, had a studio in Williamsburg, was doing great work, a lot of notoriety, a lot of attention. But she understood the seriousness of what it is to raise a family, to raise a son. And after seven, eight years of birthing that business, she let it go because she understands that this next generation needs that impartation. And I want to thank you publicly for all you do every day. I love you, baby. Uh, I'm blessed, I'm born and raised in the Bronx, uh, lived in the North Bronx for a long I'm born and raised in the Bronx and I'm, I'm happy to be here I'm blessed, I told my father, I said, I'm going to be preaching at the sanctuary I'm going to be with Pastor George and company And he goes, oh that's awesome, I'll be there And my father is right here, the Reverend Dr. Louis Carlo And I'm thankful to have dad here I'm thankful to have Dad here. Let's let's get ready to share the word. Consider this for a moment. A man bought a hunting dog. Eager to see how he would perform, he took him out to track a bear. No sooner had they gotten into the woods than the dog picked up the trail. Suddenly he stopped, sniffed the ground, and headed in a new direction. He had suddenly caught the scent of a deer that had crossed the bear's path. A few moments later, he halted, this time smelling a rabbit that had crossed the path of the deer. And so on and so on it went, until finally the breathless hunter caught up with his dog, only to find him barking triumphantly down the hole of a field mouse. Sometimes we as Christians are like that. We start out with passion. Resolved to keep Christ first in our lives, but soon our attention is diverted to things of lesser importance. One pursuit leads to another until we strayed so far from our original purpose. Today, God is asking us to examine our lives, myself included. Are we walking in the Spirit? Is He in control of our life and decisions? Are we yielding to the Holy Spirit? Are we relentlessly pursuing and seeking God? Today we were invited by the Spirit through the worship team to come and drink, to find Him, to be at His feet. That person who does that and finds them there, that themselves there daily is someone who wants more of God. Do you want more of God today? Are you ready for more of God today? I'm excited for the expansion project. I'm excited that there was once an office here, but now there's pews and seats that's ready to receive the great harvest that God has promised us. I'm excited that behind this wall, there's more to come. But friends, the physical space is only a small part of it. God is expanding us internally, the spiritual body. Are you ready for the more that I have of you spiritually? Are you ready for more of me in order to accomplish the great work I've called you to? You can't do it apart from me, he says. You can't do it apart from me. And like you, I want more of God. In a founding race, ministries were hungering and thirsting for God. After 30 years of ministry, we find ourselves at a place where the community has changed. What was once burned down and full of uh, a visible drug use and, and people laid out, sprawled out on the street, abandoned lots, now is becoming gentrified and new money is moving in. And the community has changed. And if we're not wise, we're going to miss the opportunity to love our new neighbors. So we're in the same place, family. God is expanding us, not just physically, but spiritually. I want more of the Lord. Today I want us to leave here filled with the Spirit yet again. Yet again. So you came this week and you knocked down some walls and you prepped. Well, there needs to be some more work in us today. Today we want to consider one verse. Psalm 63, verse 1. King David, we find him in a season where he's longing for God in the midst of a dry and dark season in his life. Let's read the passage. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Can you read that with me? I don't know if it's visible. Let's try that together. God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, in a dry and weary land where there is no water. In order to fully understand this passage of scripture, we need to understand what's happening, the background in David's life. David is king of Israel, but he's made some mistakes and his family now is in disarray. And he finds himself in the wilderness of Judah, from the palace to the wilderness. He's in the wilderness there, and he's not there uh, because he wanted a vacation in the wilderness. He's in the wilderness because his own son, his flesh and blood, is hunting for him. Is looking to get him and snuff out his life because his son wants his father's throne. We see David in this wilderness. He's experiencing chaos Chaos that's happening in the palace, chaos in his home, in his family, and there's a a, a torment all around him, a storm is all around him. If you want to read the story, the back story, it's in 2 Samuel chapters 13 to 19, maybe take a chance to look at that, I'm not going to go there. But I want to consider that that's the place, the emotional place, the physical space that David is in. And in this moment where everything seems to be in disarray, he's identifying his life with God. The psalmist is expressing his deepest desire, the whole of his being. Everything in him yearns and longs and desires for communion with God. His life is as dry and as thirsty as the desert he's in. When David wrote this psalm, this prayer, this hymn, he wasn't in a temple, he wasn't in a worshipful atmosphere. He was in the desert, a wilderness, all alone alone. Removed in an obscure place, separated from every comfort. Separated from every friend in the palace. In the desert, he suffered thirst. In the desert, he suffered hunger. In the desert, he suffered pain. In the desert, he suffered loneliness. In the desert, he suffered exhaustion. There in that solitary place, the man had many needs. Yet King David lets us know that his greatest need is for God and God alone. He tells us, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. He turns his attention to God. He sees his claim and says, God, you're mine. He takes ownership and he acknowledges the relationship, the right relationship, that, God, you are superior and, Lord, I am, Lord, beneath you, I am your humble servant. He's acknowledging, friends, that God is definitely relational, but he's more than relational. He's bigger than us. He's superior than us. And in our culture and in our day and age where Jesus is our homeboy, sometimes we miss that. We miss the awesomeness and the greatness of God where it's so casual and so laid back that we run the risk of treading on a holy God. I want there to be an accessibility to God. That's what Jesus is all about, making God accessible to us. But in that time, I don't want to lose the awesomeness, the grandeur of God. And David, in this moment of, in the wilderness and chaos, he understands the right relationship. God, you are transcendent. You are holy other, but you're also right here with me, intricately involved in my day to day experience. Oh God, you are my God. Oh God, you are my God. In that cry, two ideas abound together. Oh God, omnipotent one, all-powerful one. You're my God, the God of relationship. In that statement, he is saying, and we can confidently say today, I am in, I am in relationship with the God of all power. I am in relationship with a God who has all the power to speak to the circumstances around me. To make the necessary adjustments, to finish the building project and the spiritual building project. The God of power is present in our midst. And we can call out to Him and we can ask for Him and we can desire Him. He is saying, all-powerful God, I am in partnership with you. I trust you and I seek you diligently. Friends, for this project to be super successful, we need to be seeking God diligently. Waking up early, staying up late. Middle of the night, waking up. You could, fill in, you could finish a building and not be spiritually where God wants you to be. I sense it. God's already doing it. I'm here to confirm what is being done. To, to, to charge you on, to push you forward when there's more tasks to be done. And let's come and meet here. Let that not crouch and, and, and take out the alone time, of the seeking God, the earnestly pursuing God. Earnestly is not just about getting up early. The word earnestly deals with seeking God without delay. When things come up and and, and pressures come from around, we're not going to wait, well, I'll pray later, I'll see God later. No, we stop in the moment and we seek Him. Nothing else matters. Some of us need to shut down some other things in order to find God, to pursue God. When you do that, you begin to realize, I don't need to pursue Him all that much. He's already pursuing me. He's already hot on my trail. All he needs me and wants me to do is stop and give him an opportunity to come and do the bigger, the greater work. I'm excited for the testimonies here in this room. But don't settle. There's more. I'm excited for what God has already done. That you, you have this great moment of transition from one lifestyle to another. But please don't grow content in that. Too much is at stake. God is saying, seek me. Thirst for me. Come to me. You will find me. And when you find me, everything will continue to change again. But we don't want that next level of change at times. We just want enough that we're not addicted anymore. That we have some freedom. That we can manage our money. That's all, we're good. Don't start asking me for other things. And that's a lot of times what what keeps us from pursuing God. We are running from God. We sing songs of of stopping and being in His presence. But in in reality, our life, we're just trying to stay away because we know He might require more of us than we're ready to give. Be fearless, Sanctuary Fellowship. Be fearless. Stop and let Him do the deeper work. Stop and let Him finish what He started so long ago. Or for some of you... Recently, I'm going to get into this for a moment. One second. Thank you. Some of us, we need to stop. Turn off Facebook. Get off Twitter. Unplug the television. Get off the web. And seek God. Earnestly, I will seek you. The poet continues, the psalmist continues, the writer continues, the king continues. And he uses language of appetite. He says he seeks, he thirsts, he yearns for God. He says, my soul thirsts for you, my body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Here is a king who cannot get a drink of water. But in that moment, what is he thirsting for more? Nothing but the living God. He did not complain about being parched. He confessed that he was thirsty for God. Is there a reoccurring theme here? Am I repetitious? Yes, I am. Friends, we need to be thirsty for God. Consider for a moment, I'll give you a moment to consider what thirsting for God will look like this week. Something's got to change. Something needs to be adjusted, and I'm not saying you're not praying and you're not reading, but I believe God is calling us deeper in, right? That was the worship. That was, we want to go deeper. We're thankful. We have access to his presence, but he's calling us deeper. An infinite God inviting the finite man, a God who's way bigger than we can comprehend, inviting us to get to know him. We're comfortable with the little bits of knowledge we have of God. He's like, time out, I'm much richer, I'm much deeper, I'm much greater, I'm much more awesome than you've even experienced. That's just the beginning. Come journey with me. He didn't ask for a miracle, for a rock to turn into water. He was yearning and pursuing for God. To think, as Americans, we value all the comforts of life, rest, you know, all the basic things. And in that moment, this king is not asking for any of that. He's hungering for God. He's pursuing God. He's searching for deep communion. Why is he searching for God? Because the land in which he's living in that moment is dry and weary. The dry and weary land that David mentions, for me, is a picture a representation. It's a vivid picture of that of our society today. Our society is Suffering. The world around us is dying. We have been blessed to find life in Christ. But we can't be blinded to the reality that our friends and family, our neighbors and co-workers are dying. We live in a culture of death. Sin is running rampant. And Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of life is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if sin is rampant and running all over the place and, and it's there, then we can be sure that death is following. People are dying slow, death's hurting, lonely. People are losing an awareness of what real truth is. Their, their, their sense of reality is distorted. You ever sat with someone and they're just there, their sense of reality is just so warped and the more you journey with Jesus, you realize, wow. And you realize, I used to think that way. I used to behave that way. I used to value that. You begin to realize that sin has messed up our minds. We don't know up from down. We don't know right from wrong. We don't know left from right. Sin has distorted the way we view and look at the world. But it's not just in the world out there. It's happening even with Christians. We've become desensitized. Because we live in this world and we haven't put safeguards up, we 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 blur the lines between what's sin and not sin. We begin to silence the voice of the Spirit when He comes to convict us. Has it ever happened to you? Just a little bit. You don't make a hard left. You don't run in a direction of sin. But you make one small decision. And at first you feel a little weird and awkward. But Then it's easier the next time. And then easier and easier. We become desensitized. We live in a culture of sin. It's evident everywhere. In this culture, we put self first. We put pleasure first. We put profit first above people. Maybe you heard language like this. We live in a culture that's radically individualistic. Radical individualism has taken over the mind. It's about me and mine. I don't care about anyone else. I'm going to do what it takes to make sure I got my blessing right now. putting pleasure, hedonism, the love of feeling good in the moment. We're putting that above people and above God. These things are becoming our gods. Consumerism, we want things. We're talking about our society, so don't necessarily feel like I'm coming at you. I'm just looking at the world, what they're selling us, every commercial, every ad. It's about you. How to make your life better. Look at the self-help section in the bookstore. It's all about getting your stuff right now. In this culture of death, we're putting these things above God and above people, and they have become our gods. My lifestyle it's all about. It's about my life. I don't care about people, and we need to care about people, because it's not just loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The other commandment that's equally as important is to love our neighbor as ourself. So I could be pursuing God. I could come to worship. I could dance before the Lord. I could feel wonderful in His presence. But if I don't care for my neighbor, something is out of order. My desire for the sanctuary is that as you expand, it will be a place to love and commit, connect with the community in far greater ways than you ever have. And I know this is a house of vision and their sights, but I'm praying that this is a place where your neighbors, who might be of different faiths, and might be from different cultural backgrounds, that they will come here and experience truth and life and renewal. Amen. This culture is producing an emptiness. Emptiness that people try to fill with so many other things. It's producing a a, a desire to escape the loneliness and this emptiness that they're experiencing. They're doing anything to escape this reality. Parents are escaping their parental responsibilities. Leaders are not leading. Servants aren't serving. There's emptiness. People are trying to escape. There's distractions all over the place. Do you realize how many distractions there are? Have you ever just realized how many things are competing for your attention in any given moment? We're surrounding ourselves then with distractions as well. Keeping us from the real truth that we are hungry and thirsty. That we're hungry and thirsty for something far greater than the world could ever give us. So as a result, under these circumstances, we're creating hopelessly complex lives. We don't know what it is to rest. To stop. We're on the go, 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 go. We don't understand the value of Sabbath. Of stopping in the presence of God and believing that even if I worked every minute of every hour of every day, it still wouldn't be enough. But I can rest because God has already accomplished it in Christ Jesus. This hopelessly complex life is creating chaos and confusion all around us. And friends, the world needs order. The order that comes from serving God and allowing him to put things in its proper place. As a result, our society is enslaved, bound by the need for immediate gratification, by the need for possessions and material things. In the pursuit of those possessions and material things, we end up becoming bound by debt. Uh Uh-oh. We're bound and enslaved by the continual desire to replace what is good that we already have for something that they're telling us is better and that we need. We don't keep things long anymore. The church of God, the people of God are a holy people, different. We don't need to subscribe and do everything the way the world does. We need to be better stewards that over the overflow that God gives us, we can bless another. Friends, there are some who don't have in our midst. And we need to be there to serve them, to provide for them, to protect for them, to protect them. I'm going to take it one step further and say, have you ever heard the word anorexia? Anorexia nervosa is an emotional disorder. But the word anorexia itself in the Latin means without appetite. An is the prefix. It means without and orexis is appetite. We live in a spiritual in a, cli- a climate of spiritual anorexia, people aren't hungering for the truth of who God is. Too many people, including Christians, and this is not for you, then don't put it on, but just, I'm assessing the landscape. I'm assessing the environment, giving us lenses by which we can look at the television and the world and our coworkers, not to judge them, but to offer them the life that God has given us. But too many Christians and unbelievers in the world are stuffed with things of the world, things that don't satisfy, and they've lost their appetite for truth, and they've lost their appetite for God, and, and, they, and they're trying to figure it out and fill it with other things. Too many Christians are not looking for the bread of life. It's, it scares me, the biblical illiteracy that's rampant, even in churches. People are calling fast food gourmet. They're calling McDonald's five stars. McDonald's and White Castle is good once in a while, I can't lie. I like a murder burger occasionally. But it doesn't satisfy any five-star. And and we're satisfying, we're trying to satisfy, trying to fill ourselves with things that do not nourish us. It's not just the world, friends. It's the people of God as well. It's the people of God as well. These things are slowly but surely killing us. The church, there are few believers out there that really want God and nothing else. Too many people, I see it, I've pastoring for a little while now, I've been in ministry for a while. They want God and something else. They want Jesus as a means to an end. And Jesus says, I am your all in all. I am all that you need. It's not Jesus plus anything. It's Christ and Christ alone. All I need is you. All I want is you. Today I want us to leave this place the way we sang about it. I am hungry and thirsty for God. I am actively pursuing God on a different level than I have because I understand that the culture around me is full of death and if I'm not careful, I'm going to get sucked into that. I need to pursue you because you alone are life and you alone are nourishment and you alone are sustenance and you alone are the food that keeps me alive. You are the bread of life and I am starving for you. Is someone today can you lift your hand? Are you starving for God? Are you are you so desirous? Do you have an appetite? I am not anorexic. I am not without appetite. I am hungry. I am hungry for the living God and more than just a charismatic experience, the type of hunger that changes the way I live in community and the way I handle myself on the job and I won't remain silent anymore in the face of things that are offensive. I won't be rude and disrespectful, but I'll I'll be a a person of righteousness there. I'll encourage and pray for individuals on my job without fear and worry. It's not just an altar here experience. The hunger does something for us that we're different at the laundromat and we're different at the grocery store and we're different when we're on the bus and we're different when we're on the train and in class. It's a different hunger. The church is guilty of only hungering for God on Sunday mornings. I'm just calling it like I see it. I love you. I know I just met you. I love you though. But I have great concern. Because we started by saying that we're disciples and followers of God. Don't just say it. They demonstrate it. It's more than words. It's a transformed life because you're eating a different food. Your your, your diet has been altered. I can't tell you what it's going to look like in your life, but some might need to stop doing certain things for a season. And what a beautiful season we're in. It's the Lenten season. It's the season of preparation for Resurrection Sunday. I'm with you always, thank you. Lent, in the Christian calendar, is a time of preparation, 40 days of getting ready for Easter Sunday. It's a time where the church, uh, the the mainline churches, not many uh, non-denominational churches really participate in Lent. But it's a time of 40 days where you begin to set your heart in preparation for what Jesus has done. And you align yourself with his 40 days in the wilderness of temptation, where he was tempted to eat. What the world had to offer The enemy came and promised him riches And said, satisfy yourself with this rock Come on, turn it he, he invited him to do something And he said, uh-uh Man doesn't live by bread alone But out of every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God My diet is different And that's what Lent is about Is saying my diet is different It's not just about not having chocolate We're only going to have fish on Fridays, no meat It's bigger than that It's about saying, I am nourishing myself on Him, the source of life. I am eating and partaking daily of the richness of the table that He's prepared for us. And I'm not going to settle for a crumb. I'm not going to settle for secondhand food. I am going to go to the source of life and say, nourish me. I am hungry. The world around me is tempting me to eat other things. But I don't want to eat of it. Think of the three Hebrew boys. What a wonderful story. They find themselves in the fiery furnace. Because they were willing to hold their ground. But long before they were able to stand up and enter in that furnace without fear, they chose to eat differently. They didn't eat the choice foods of that empire. They said, no, we'll keep our diet. We'll keep the Hebrew diet. We'll eat what's alright with us. I can't have penneel. And they couldn't have penneel back then. That was not allowed. Jewish people can't do that. You get what I'm talking about? It's not just the food. It's what we're consuming with our eyes and with our ears and where we're allowing ourselves to be. It's trying to form us and fashion us to be like the culture that looks alive and looks like it's having fun. But you know what? It's really dead. That's the biggest wake up call I experienced. I used to like hanging and chilling and whiling out. And then I realized that's not life. This is life. There's a different hang. There's a different chill. There's a different high. And the enemy's slick. He knows when I'm feeling weak because he'll tempt me. And sometimes he might tempt you to entertain the idea of going back, taking a little nibble. No little nibbles. The Bible tells us that sin is like leaven. A little bit works through the hole. Just a little bit. A little bit of yeast works its way through. A little bit of sin begins to produce death. I want life and life abundantly. When you don't eat and you don't drink, you begin to find yourself in a desperate situation and you begin to see and believe anything. Consider this story for a moment. On July 30th, 1945, the battle cruiser USS Indianapolis was returning from a mission mission delivering enriched uranium to allied forces in the Pacific. It did not make it home. A Japanese torpedo hit the cruiser on its way back. It sank in minutes. In only 12 minutes, 300 of the 1,200 men died. 900 went into the water, enduring four days and five nights without food, without water, and under the blazing sun of the Pacific. Of the 900 men that went into the water, only 316 survived the lack of water, and the sharks. One of those who survived was the chief medical officer who recorded his own experience. He wrote, There was nothing I could do. Nothing I can do but give advice, bury the dead at sea, save the life jackets, and try to keep the men from drinking the water. When the hot sun came out and we were in the crystal clear ocean, we were so thirsty, you couldn't believe it wasn't good enough to drink. I had a hard time convincing the men that they shouldn't drink. The real young ones, you take away their hope, you take away their water and food, they would drink the salt water and they would go fast. I can remember striking the ones who were drinking the salt water to stop them. They would get dehydrated. They'd become maniacal. There were mass hallucinations. I was amazed how everyone could see the same thing. One man would see something, then everyone else would see it too. Even I fought the hallucinations off and on. Something always brought me back. When you're hungry and you're desperate, even things that aren't good for you begin to look good. We begin to settle in a dry and weary land. We begin to settle for mirages in the desert. You ever heard the word mirage? It's not just a club. Remember the club? Remember the club? Remember the mirage? It's not just a club. A mirage. Consider this for a moment is an optical phenomenon that creates the illusion of water, often with inverted reflections of distant objects, and results from the distortion of light by alternate layers of hot and cold air. Consider this for a moment. Our sight is unfocused. It's been tampered with. We begin to call things water that are not. When do we do that? When we invert images, reflections begin to look real. And the definition tells us that it begins with the distortion of light. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the... Light of the world. And many are seeing a distorted image of Christ and his light. Some people haven't seen Christ clearly in a long time. The definition goes on to say that there are alternate layers of hot and cold air. Family, we can't be, the Bible tells us, both hot and cold. We can't interchange between the two and expect there to be no consequence. We can't be on fire for God on Sunday morning and by Sunday night be cold or the next day be cold and not think that we're going to experience negative consequences. For too many of us, it means that we're settling for mirages. Thirsty people begin to see things and they look and appear real, but they're not. It looks like it's going to satisfy you, but they're not. And they never can. Maybe in your life it's been a relationship. And maybe in your life it's been the pursuit of a degree or some other achievement on the job. Maybe in your some life it's looking for that experience, that high. I want to jump off the plane. I want to do all this crazy cuckoo stuff. Thinking. Maybe it's setting some real big audacious goals. And none of those things in and of, the, of themselves are wrong. But when that's what we're looking to satisfy, a thirsty soul, a thirst in our marriage, it just doesn't do it. It can never satisfy Friends, the thirstiness that we're talking about today comes by two reasons. One of them is those who don't drink. And I don't think you're guilty of not drinking. I think we're in a house where the leadership has made it clear. The worship team invites you to come and drink of the water. But another thirstiness comes in a season where God is ready to expand you. And your capacity for God is growing. And what was nice and full before, because God is expanding you, now becomes only halfway full. You feel me? Say, I feel you. I don't think you're guilty. And maybe you are and you have to address that. But I come here to speak to a church that has been seeking God. And because they're seeking God, they're seeing the benefits of that. But in doing so, God is saying, you're really more thirsty than you realize. Because what I'm preparing you for, the capacity that you have right now is not enough. I want to open you up. I want to deepen you. I want to put more of me in you. And that for us should make us thirsty. That for us should make us go back to Him more and not fill it with just more mindless work. More busyness and settling for mirages. I'm here to let you know if you're feeling thirsty in this season of building, it's because not that you're far from God, Is God is saying, I want more of you and you need more of me. Now, we need more, more. And not in a hoarding type of way, not in a gluttonous, just keep it to myself. The more of God that just changes everything, that just turns it all around. Like when you first met him and everything changed and you loved it. He's like, oh, snap, this is new. (laughs) Remember that? Do you remember that when you really met him? You weren't just kind of dating him casually, but you met him and you said, come on, put the ring on it, papa. Let's do this. Let's do this. You remember that moment, that distinction when you crossed over and it wasn't just a Sunday thing anymore, but you were waking up and you were in the Word and you woke up early to kneel and pray. We're inviting, He's inviting you into that season again. To thirst for Him like that again. And now there's even more that you can expect. And the more is stuff that you can't even imagine. Some of the other stuff we were able to imagine it. Because we saw what it looked like in other people. Man, my Theo was a mess, but he gave his life to Jesus. And wow, what a change. So we, can, we have a, 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 an idea of what it looks like. But this level of thirsting and hungering, this is new. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. Don't be scared. It's a time for faith. Fear will be like, nah, chill, I don't know, man. That's <laughs> it. It sounds good, Pastor, but you know, <laughs> woo! I'm just kind of getting settled right now. Things are good with the misses and the finances. You just can't, whoa, slow down. We need to be a hungry people, hungry, thirsty. The world and the communities in which we live are dry and barren places, and if we're not careful, that will be the state of our heart and of our minds and of our spirits and of our homes. We thirst after the one who can satisfy, who can quench our thirst. Family, today I invite you, the Spirit invites you to come and drink of the Lord. He's inviting you to come and drink. Revelations, the end of the book. Not necessarily the end of the story, but the end of this book says this. The spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. Whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. If there's a closing word for you today, it's come. Come. The worship team invited us earlier to come, go deeper. I echo what they said in the beginning. Come. God was up to something, not me. He gave you that. He gave the sister the whole Martha Mary piece. Stop. He's pursuing us. He's pursuing us. Stop. He wants to meet us. He wants to fill us because there's more work to be done. Another psalm that speaks of this, and with this I close, and i ask the worship team to make their way up. As the Lord leads you, fellas and ladies. Um, The psalmist writes this in the 42nd Psalm As the deer pants for streams of water So my soul pants for you, O God My soul thirsts for God, for the living God When can I go and meet with God? Right now So if you're asking that question I'll let you know right now We're about to have a moment Where you could come and meet My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God sanctuary fellowship today I ask you are you thirsty and hungry for God do you want more of God today if that's you today I need you to stand to your feet right now and say I believe this project that God has called us to I believe in the promises that we've been talking on but I know that it starts right now in my heart in my life in my family thirsting for God more if you could just close your eyes and free ourselves from the distractions of who's around just take a moment hear the spirit inviting you come the spirit and the bride say come we bless you Lord we bless you Lord can we enjoy the presence of God for a moment
1: we hear you calling us oh God We will come to you today that you might satisfy our needs. our thirst today if you're an open receptacle if
0: you're ready to receive what god has can you lift holy hands to the lord i receive
1: what you have oh god i receive what you have oh god today spirit come
0: You know it's a life or death situation for you you need to leave here with more than just an encounter but with a lifestyle change i'm going to let you know these altars right here are wide open if you want this to be more than just something that happened on march 10th but it is a shifting a season changing in your life where you are going to pursue him and thirst for him and hunger for him more than ever because you know he's expanding your capacity for him i'm going to invite you right now to come and say i'm taking a step of faith i'm willing to make the necessary adjustments that I would feast on you and only you oh God that I would drink of the living water and nothing else no more coca-cola
1: I say yes oh Lord I say yes oh God to what you have only you can satisfy I say yes to you Oh God, yes, oh Lord, yes, oh Lord For all of us, but more so even
0: for the ones who've taken a step forward Can you declare your dependency and your need for God? Say, I'm thirsty, God Only you can satisfy, I'm thirsty, God I'm hungry, God Only you can nourish, only you can build up the spirit, man you and God today all I can do is tell you what he's put on my heart now you must respond and then after this response you must obey and change something this evening and tomorrow do something different but I say yes to you the beautiful thing about it is in the trinity the Holy Spirit is related to and spoken about with various images and symbols and one of the symbols that's used to speak of the Holy Spirit is that of water the Holy Spirit wants to be water to you today there is no life without water. There is no life without water. So what you're doing right now is asking for the Holy Spirit to rise up within you
1: to fill you to overflowing. We say yes, we say yes, we say yes. yes.
2: Oh, oh, oh. I'm going to ask the
0: worship team to sing this song and I have one more thought for you that's crucial but if we could just worship God together in this moment
2: we're here yeah sing this together just say just say free Together. Fill me fill us up, fill us up as one body, one
1: church. Fill us up, fill us up, oh Lord, to overflowing, God. Fill us up. I leave you with this:
0: this lady, this woman in the Gospels goes to the well to fetch water because she was naturally thirsty. Physically, she was thirsty and little did she know that at that moment of going to the well She would encounter the man that would change her everything And they have this full discussion and at some point it gets to this Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again the water that's in the well But whoever drinks the water I will give him will never thirst Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I'm not settling for a drop anymore or a cup. He's promised that a well would spring up from within us. Let that be a desire of your heart, a desire of this church, that a well would spring up from within us. If the world around us and the community around us is really dry and parched and thirsty, then it needs more than just a cup. It needs to be saturated, and this place needs to be flowing out from every door, from every person, and saturating a dry ground that's out there. I'm gonna ask them to sing that bridge one more time. I'm gonna pass it over to Pastor George. But don't leave here the same. We don't come. To-